This call may be recorded or transcribed. Hello? Hey, Ernest. Hey. Yes. Do you think that was because I was trying to do Zoom from my phone? I'm not a tech person, but would it have been better to use my, try to use my, I was trying to get into my laptop, but I wasn't able to get into the, um, I mean, it's hard to say. It's like, it may have been on your end. It may have been on my end. It may have been the internet in the middle. It is uh, not easy to diagnose where the problem is. With my job, I did tell my provider, I said, I need the highest level you offer, whatever that is. Yeah. They said, well, it'll be an extra extra $60 on top of what you're already paying. I said, well, I got to do it. So yeah. I don't know if maybe it was just maybe the phone wasn't the right, you know, vent, uh, you know, mode yeah, usually function, it's, but... Usually it's not the end device. Usually it's, mm-hmm. and it's usually it's not the entire internet. Usually it's what we call the last mile. So going from okay. whatever the sort of neighborhood hub is to uh, your uh, actual home is usually where things get congested. So it could be somebody oh. else in your building or someone else on your block or, okay. you know, something weird going on there. That's the most common. And, you know, this is like the general problem with human relationships is that we don't know if the problem is on your end or my end. We just know that we weren't mm-hmm. communicating. And so we sure. had to start over. But but this is working. So this is good. Okay. So. Ah, so we, you were talking about, we were talking about customer service and uh, the phase of your life. So mm-hmm. you doing any um, sort of spiritual work in terms of meeting with the community or giving any talks? Or you're just kind of chilling. I, I haven't done anything on wisdom. I, you know, I've been talking to people, Ernest, which is why I, um, and I'm talking to people about launching a YouTube channel. And Ooh. so the people I've been talking to have been saying, you know, we really want you to have power over your image. And if you are going to put something out, you know, especially, and I think I've mentioned this before, and I've told them this, that, um, you know, when you have a situation where you're talking to people about spiritual things, um, you don't want to look like you're you're talking from your mom's basement, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you, you want to give it some type of professionalism. You want to give it some type of, um, you know, make it look the best that you can. So I'm talking to folks about how much all that is going to cost and what that would look like and what they would need from me and what I need from them and how they can help me make Zephyr uh, more available to people. So that's what I'm doing now. Make make what more available? Zephyr, my podcast and the channel, uh, Uh, more available. I don't know if if I've actually um, heard or listened to Zephyr or seen it. So maybe you can give me a quick blurb on what it's about. Oh yeah, remember? Well, oh yeah, well, I haven't. I I did the first season. We talked about it on Wisdom. Um, I did the I'm first season. I'm blanking on this. Yeah, okay. It's okay. Anyway. I, I did the first season, and um, we did. I was just talking about it with the gentleman from TaskRabbit because he's interested in metaphysics, and he was asking me to share some stuff with him about it. So I did the first season, and it's on Spotify, uh, and. Apple Podcasts and all those places you can get your podcasts. And I did some shows like uh, Your False Identity, Letting Go mm. of the Shadow, um, A Glorious Journey, 
um, why does God allow innocent children to die, which I did last year, well before you called mm. me. Um, wow. What does God say about suicide? What happens next? Um, mm. uh, who are the Elohim? Is the Bible the word of God? Uh, what does the Bible really say about marriage between man and woman? Uh, why am I here? Why do we even right. exist? Do I have to go to church if I want to go to heaven? Um, is it wrong to pray for physical wealth? And, la- and I'll just share this lesson, and there's many more. Um, does religion teach us to hate ourselves? That's just that's just something. <laughs> so what was the quick answer to the last question? Does religion teach us to hate ourselves? No, it doesn't. Yeah, so yes or no? Ourselves. No, it does not teach us to hate Well, it depends on your religion, right? Um, on yourself i think (laughs) well exactly but if you're talking about the bible um there are many places where we're called to let go and this goes and i go into this and then and the audio um the audio is okay on some of these but you know this is my first season so for my second season i really want to you know i'm i'm scratching my beard in some of (laughs) You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this sounds so terrible. You do it as a YouTube um, channel rather than as a podcast, or you do it both. Right, right, uh, right. So to, you want to upload so, your video, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and, and then you know, sometimes if I if I can't think of where scripture is, if I have a YouTube channel, I can go back and put that in post editing and put the scripture oh, yeah. above me. You know, versus you know, uh, I guess you could Audio. insert yeah. something on a podcast. But, yeah, but I don't know. I just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that's why I want to do that. And I, I like the idea of not, I was telling uh, uh, Benny from TaskRabbit, I said, you know, I like the idea of not charging people anything, but yet making a living, having a few advertisers. Yeah. So, you know, because, you know, Dr. Yeah. Kinley always said freely, he received the vision and he wanted us to freely share it with other people. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting things. You, you know, at the very least, you want these things to be a self-funding hobby. So all the infrastructure and services you need to deliver it, you want all these people to make enough money to cover that. So it's, mm-hmm. And, and then exactly. ideally, of course, we'll turn into more than that. So there's another question mm-hmm. you uh, were talking about, which is actually, uh, I've been playing around, as you know, I'm, I'm fascinated with different questions. And mm-hmm. the question I've been asking people lately, which has been very, I guess, generative, is mm-hmm. what is the thing that if you were to receive it, you could die happy? Like if there's this one thing you received from God or you accomplished for God or for yourself or whatever, like if you had this one thing, then you would feel I'm good, even if you did nothing else. Mm-hmm. If you want to take a few seconds and sure. think about well, you know, and, and I'm not trying to talk so wise or sound so, you know, um, so knowledgeable or anything like that. It would be the thing that Paul talked about, Ernest, and I know you're familiar with the scripture. He said, whatsoever, whatsoever things be lovely, whatsoever things be pure, think on these things. And in another place, he said, covet the best gift only, and I will show unto you a more excellent way. The thing that Dr. Kinley and Dr. Harris drove home to us was that there's nothing wrong with receiving this and that in this world. But if I had to say, just since you're asking me, you know, yes, yes, you know, I see, uh, right, right. You, since you are asking me, 
you know, I went to the to the the uh, gas station the other the other day, and I seen this set for life scratcher, and I thought, oh, I wouldn't have to go back to this job next week, and that would be so nice. Um, but even the conflicts that we have, I was sharing this, you know, because we're dealing with customer service, earners, you know, we have a lot of conflict mm. resolution and all of that. <laughs> oh my God! And you know how I feel about getting into the minutia of things. You 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 know I'm not a minutia mm-hmm. person. Uh, you know, I, I'm more abstract, like, okay, let's just get to the bottom line. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the customer service, you have to be willing to deal with the muck and mire and the who shot JR and, and what type of, and you have to walk through need. the journey with them, right? You can't just oh, teleport them to the God. end. Oh gosh. And you know how much I love that, Ernest. And so that is the, um, that, that is the emotional labor, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, it is. Yeah. So, but anyway, I was thinking about, um, I said, oh, it would be so nice. I wouldn't have to, but it wouldn't change, you know, communal conflicts with family. Uh, right. We had an incident well, with the neighbors not too long ago. Well, there's, there's no start, there's no exit. Hell is other people. So like, as long as you have other people, it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise you're just like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That's great. That, that cephalized, it would solve the work problem. But it would not solve the other issues because, like you just said, as long as you're dealing, as long as you, as long as you're here in a physical body, and as long as you've mm-hmm. got others, and nobody wants to completely be by themselves, even if you're someone who kind of likes to have your own place and your own space, you want to have contact with humanity at some point. I would think. I guess yeah. there are folks who who like to be. There you are, know, her, but there are the occasional hermits. Yeah, people. There, there yeah. are people who are super aesthetic or super psychologically damaged. And they can get along by themselves. But everyone else, we need other people. But even then, they're going to start having problems with the lions and the tigers and the bears over there in the forest, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, even then, they're going to run into conflict. You know, you know, Pookie the bear doesn't like Lenny the bear. And you have to resolve that conflict. And one deer doesn't like another deer. And you don't know what to do about it. And you're trying to help them resolve that conflict. And so it, it just, you know, I know I went all the way around the mulberry bush, but it, it is not, you know, and, and I know this is going to sound cheesy to some people, maybe not the answer they want to hear, but it really is the gift of the resurrection, the gift of eternal life. That's all because when I think about it, you know, like, not to say that I wouldn't take the, 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 the 5000 a week on a set for life, but, yeah. it, you, you know, there, you know, I, I'll, I'll share this with you, Ernest. You know, Dr. Harris, my immediate teacher, I've talked to you about him, my immediate mm-hmm. mentor. Uh, he, was a, he, was a, he was a lexicon, a lover of words, uh, 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 and he would have a, uh, he wasn't a professional lexicon, but, but uh, socially, you know, if I can put it like that, or, or personally, he just loved words. And he, he, he always kept this excuse me, in the dictionary, being a, a licensed medical doctor, he had to learn how to speak a little Latin. So he would constantly break words down for us. And so years ago, I started having uh, Webster's Dictionary send me a word of the day. And so mm. they still send it to me every day. They still send me a word of the day. And the mm-hmm. other day, Ernest, the, the word was panacea, panacea. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, cure you all. know. Yeah. Cure all. Cure all. Yeah. You know, that word means cure all. And so what I really want is a cure all. And the only thing that I know of that anybody has ever preached to me about a cure all 
was the divine awakening, the resurrection taking place in you, that that was a cure-all. Because it lifts you to another plane. That's, and I was just telling uh, my friend from TaskRabbit, he was asking me about that. And I said, when we're talking about the mind that we were born with, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but when we're talking about the carnal mind that we were born with, you know, Ernest, we read about the carnal mind in the Bible and how mm -hmm. it's, you know, diametrically opposed to the spiritual mind. And what happened to the apostles mm -hmm. and the prophets is that they they were temporarily relieved of the carnal mind and they received what some might call the cosmic mind or cosmic awareness. And we know that okay. in metaphysics, this is what the, the destination of humanity is, to be a cosmic being with cosmic awareness made in the likeness and image of God, because God is a spiritually minded being. Man, although we went through the hours of time coming from the, the stone age of, of being an animal minded creature, and Neville Goddard put it like this, he said the animals only reflected the mind of man. So that's why you had these ghastly creatures like Tyrannosaurus rexus and, 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 and pterodactyls and you know three horns and long necks and all of that because animals are really just a reflection of the animal nature of man. But he said as man gained control over his animal nature, that reflection in the creation got smaller and smaller in the animal kingdom. So you no longer had these huge creatures like we did in the beginning uh, running around because the animal nature in man became smaller and smaller and he became more of a man in awareness. So the animals grew smaller. And this is what Neville Goddard has explained in his teaching. But the ultimate goal for man was to completely leave that animal nature and to become a man, truly a man, made in the likeness and image of the grand man of the universe, which is Elohim or God. And this is the destination of humanity. But we go through, and I was sharing this with, um, with my friend from TaskRabbit, that you have this one, because he wanted to talk to me about Uvalde and all of that, and he wanted to know my thoughts and all that. And I said, the metaphysics that I learned and that I grew up with taught that there's one eternal principle. And I think you and I talked about this. And that one eternal principle has two aspects, eternal light and eternal darkness. And I can hear Dr. Harris's voice as he would preach about this and minister about this before the congregation, how that Yahweh is the one eternal principle, but he has a right hand and a left hand. And it talks about in the Bible, the right hand of God and the left hand of God. The sheep and the goats. And Dr. Harris, yes, exactly. And how that, that right hand represents the light and that left hand represents the darkness. And that we are all, and we all want to experience God, but we are experiencing God now. We're experiencing the darkness of God. But the goal of humanity is to be liberated into the glorious liberty of the light of the children of God so that we leave the darkness of God. Because the darkness... See, we, we love to talk about the light of God, but we don't like to talk about the darkness of God. 
because both mm. are just as much him. You cannot talk about the and, and, and Dr. Harris was very, very and Dr. Kinley was very adamant about that, Ernest. That you, mm. you you come into this world experiencing the darkness of God and you don't understand. You're walking around in psychological ignorance, darkness, psychological Egypt, we would call it. And the goal is to get to Canaan's land. And we wander around in that darkness for for 400 plus years saying, when are we going to be delivered? When am I going to be delivered? And we know that was the promise made, but we don't know when. Is it going to be tomorrow? Is it going to be next week? We're being evilly entreated. And Neville Goddard breaks that, that situation down there in Egypt with Pharaoh and his host so beautifully because he said Pharaoh represents the devil or doubt. Uh, and the children of Israel represents all our unanswered desires, I mean, and, and then the Egyptians represent all of our unanswered desires or our, our desires that we burn with. We talk about burning in the lake of fire, and people think that you're talking about some type of physical burning. And Dr. Harris used to talk about all the time, and I can hear him talking about how that souls, bodies don't burn. Um, physical bodies can burn, but the uh, spirit body can't burn. He said, but you can burn in your desire." Or something. He said that's the burning that the Bible speaks of. It's not talking about a soul burning for all of eternity. You can't affect a, a, a spirit being with physical fire. But you can burn your desire to want something and to be a part of something, a yearning for something, and never have it. So I don't want to get off too far on that, but I just want to go back to that we, we walk in this darkness of the Creator. And we call it the devil. But, but that's just his left hand because you have to go back to where did the devil come from? And when you see that it's necessary for us, for humanity, even if you take it above yourself, to have experienced the darkness of Yahweh or the of the Lord because his ultimate purpose was for us to experience the light. And so you must see the Uvaldis and the buffaloes. And you think, oh, why, why is he allowing this to happen? The economic crisis that's going on in the world with inflation and all that. Well, why would a good God allow? Because he's showing you, you see, the back part of himself, as Dr. Harris would say. But that's not his end game. That's, this is not the creator's end game. This is not his end game. His end game is to do like he did with John and show you the front part of himself. And when that front part is, now you had some that we call mystics in this world that were catapulted to that next level of humanity while as yet they walked among us. But they were just a taste if you believe the report. And Isaiah asks, who has believed our report? Because this is, this, is not, this is not just some, to me, some fantastic tale of ideology. We talk about why am I here? Why are any of us here? Why did the creator even bother? And Neville Goddard would often quote Shakespeare. He'd say, be patient, for our playwright will reveal in some fifth act. And most metaphysics say that we are in the fourth age getting ready to head to the fifth age. And you have everybody talking in the earth plane. Oh, 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 there's, 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 a, there's a shift coming. Yeah, there is a shift coming. And the word age just means world. 
So Dr. Harris would say, yes, the world is ending, but not the way you think. It's just a different age. It's a different part of the play that's coming up. And it makes a great difference for all of us. And that's what I believe. And that's what I would, you know, I would say like, like, like Elijah in the scriptures. If you ask me what I would want, it would be to be translated and to be placed in heaven without seeing death. Because I think that would be the panacea for not just me, but for everybody. All right. So let me uh, try and digest a little bit of what you said to make sure I heard you. So the, the language you used was about um, resurrection awareness. Is that the right term? Mm-hmm. Is that one of the terms? So the idea is that we live in this dichotomous world where we experience both the dark and light sides of God and that this um, – creates this burning of unfulfilled desires because of the sort of the, the human condition that we are in in this age. And there's a, and I'm groping for the right terminology here, a way of being or a level of consciousness or a type of awareness that is kind of piercing the veil and seeing it from the other side, which mystics have had momentarily but there's a hope that there's this fifth age coming where it's experienced sort of more directly or in a more sustained fashion. And that's the thing you want. Exactly. I would just say, when you said we're experiencing the light and the darkness, I wouldn't say that we're experiencing the light and the darkness. I would say that we're experiencing the darkness until that, until that piercing of the veil, as you put it. Okay, so we're, we're yeah, so we, 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 people have pierced the veil of points, so we can sort of see that there is a light, but we're not really living in it. Right, right, right. We might have well, evidence fine. of yeah, the light. Fine. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, right. Okay, that's good. We're living on this side. We, both exist, and we're kind of on this side, and we're, we have direct experience of the darkness and indirect experience of the light. <laughs> sure. And, okay, so that's, sure. so, so cool. The, the next question, like, if this is the thing you want to receive, um, and I'm still working on the right way to phrase this, but the best um, phrase is, uh, why do you feel God might not give that to you or be giving that to you? I, oh, I, 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 I absolutely believe in the promise. I, I, that he will give it to you. Going. Yes, yes, yeah. I don't, I don't doubt. That's the only thing that keeps me going. Um, that scripture over there, and you're better with the scriptures than me, Ernest, where it says, he who has begun a good work in you, they'll finish it until the day of completion, I think it is. And mm-hmm. to me, that was that whole situation about the promise in Israel. If you take that from a metaphysical sense, um, or if we go back down into Egypt and take that from a metaphysical sense, they wanted deliverance out of that state of darkness. And they were evenly entreated for 400 years. And, and there are some mystics like Neville and other metaphysical teachers that can break the 400 down for you and show you what sure. it means. I, I can't do it. But in other words, they wanted liberation in the very state. And, and we know that Canaan land, if we, if we take it in a metaphysical sense, represents heaven. So they had to have that hope of the promise right, so, oh, that they would okay. be delivered. Right, and we can maybe go off on that a little bit later, but I mean, here maybe the, a better way than for me to frame the question is this. Um, 
why do you think he hasn't given it to you yet? Or what do you think is standing in the way of your receiving it fully? I think that that he has appointed a day, you know, that he is going to bring forth his children according to his purpose, you Mm -hmm. know, when he's ready. The same reason he didn't just deliver Israel out of, you know. Well, uh, can um, I give you my theory on that? I'm curious how that matches the one that uh, you've heard. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because so, like, the way I remember that story is, is and I, I, I can relate to this. They spent four years saying, God, come, God, come, God, deliver us. And then mm-hmm. God shows up with Moses. And they say, wait, not like that. <laughs> right. Like, don't, why'd you send him here? Why are you doing this? Right. And, uh, and same with, you know, the, the gospels and Jesus. It's like, Lord, send us a Messiah. Send us a Messiah. Well, not this Messiah. Not like that. Sure. You're not riding on a sure, donkey. Sure. And it's like. I, I have this sense, and, and, and uh, this happened to me a while ago, like I was saying, God, you know, God, I'm really afraid that, you're, you know, that this is happening and that is happening, the other thing is happening. And, mm-hmm. and God basically said to me, Ernie, why is it that as soon as I start to give you the thing that you've been asking for all along, you start complaining <laughs> that mm-hmm. it's not what you wanted? It's like, who ordered this, sure. right? And, and so sure. to, to me, the interesting part about the waiting and the crying out and the yearning is uh and and like you know and this seems to be the way that god works i'd like to think that it could happen more effectively but basically god has to break me down to the point where i'm almost ready to receive the thing he wants to get me give me uh and then if he gives it to me a little bit too early i get really angry and upset because it violates, like there's this good thing I want that is the truth. And then there's this shallow thing that I think I want, which is what hides the truth. And okay. this, and that's the, the thing that, uh, like it is literally impossible for God to give me the thing I actually want because I would just reject it out of hand. And it's only after he's broken me down to the point of being able to at least engage with him that he can start to give it to me. Mm-hmm. Is that consistent Absolutely. with your, your metaphysic? Absolutely. Because I mean, we talk about that tilling of the ground and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was thinking about that, that, um, that scripture over there where uh, I don't know the exact verbiage, uh, verbiage of it, but it says, the farmer asked the master, do you want me to go up and separate the, 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 the tares from the wheat? Yeah. And, and the master tells him, no, let them both come up together. Mm-hmm. And in the right time, I will do the separating. And so I think the administration of the darkness is necessary. It is necessary for us to experience it. It is necessary for me on an individual level to experience it. It is necessary for us as a collective humanity to experience it. Excuse me. And understanding that there is dispensation going on. There is a divine Mm -hmm. ordering of affairs, you know, Mm -hmm. that is going on, that there is a divine calendar in in effect. And the creator is operating according not to my calendar. I'm sure the Israelites would have uh, loved after that first 100 years, first day, 
to be to have been delivered. But that they, they wouldn't have been tried in that. And so we 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 are tried in the darkness, and really I say God is just trying himself. And being patient and and, and looking forward to that 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 age that is approaching where we will no longer have to experience the darkness, but we will just experience the light. Right, and okay. So even a- in that, um, I'll just say this and be done, there's that exercising of his nature. And, and we talked about that before, I think. There's an, there's mm-hmm. an exercising in, in his, and his divine patience and his divine love and his divine mercy and his divine, divine grace. We're being exercised or we as extensions of him, if you want to put it like that, are sure. just being exercised in that. You know? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. That'd be a good episode title, Divine Exercise, um, or Exercise of the Divine. Um, mm-hmm. The So, okay. So, I guess my turn, I, I, I should answer the questions. And, you know, I've answered this a couple of times, and I, I have different answers each time. I was thinking about that this morning when I was running the Trader Joe's. Um, and... I think the way I would answer Do, this question doing a local a wine run, Ernest, doing a little wine run. <laughs> I did pick up a couple of bottles of wine, so I, 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 I have to say it was a good day because I almost never get carded at Trader Joe's. So the fact that they, that they the cashier actually carded me just made my day. I know that's right. I'll, I'll be 38 on Monday, and I and 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 and, and I haven't been carded in a minute, and sometimes I'm like. Oh man, I wish I was getting carded still. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you? But sometimes, but sometimes I do get carded, and I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, except it happens so rarely. I don't even usually I don't even take my wallet, but today I had it. So that's good. <laughs> oh, I just have my phone. Anyway, uh, so so that was good. But but the the thing I was thinking about, like, what is the thing that's burning in my gut? Like, if I died before this happened, I would feel like you know, cheated or failed or whatever. Mm. And the, but like, if I could get this one thing that it's like, okay, I'm good. Like, I want to keep living mm. or whatever. But like, if I, if, you know, if I got hit by the bus and I say, it's like, okay, you know, I at least have this on the scoreboard. So what was that thing? And so uh, the current way I would phrase it is that I would want the world to know how it feels, or, or and I'm still phrasing, let me try and wrestle with the phrasing a bit. The, the, the world would know, um, uh, let me try it the other direction then. I want to know how it feels to be deeply loved by God in a way that helps my family and the world know that too. Let me rephrase that, repeat that, because I just said that. I want to think about that. I want to know how it feels to be deeply loved by God in a way that enables others to feel that too. Let's go with that for now. And so the... Oh, okay, uh, wait a minute. So let, let me understand what you're saying. Yeah, well, let's, let me pause there. Yeah. Um, you, you say you want to know... I'm just trying to understand. Mm-hmm. You want to have this effect on others? Is that what you're saying? You're trying. You want to be so deeply loved by the Creator that other people can feel it. Is that what you're saying? Well, more precisely, 
I think that's it's a good good first cut. Is that it's not? I just want to know. I don't want to just know that I am deeply loved by God, because I think a lot of people do know that at various levels. But I actually want to know how I am deeply loved by God and how it feels to be deeply loved by God, so that I can show others how to experience that. Mm. Mm. Okay. Because right, the mystics may and have, this is, and this is not a and this is not a criticism of 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 your 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 statement. I think this is where our metaphysics is different, as you would say. Ooh, okay. Well, first, first of all, the way that this works is like first of all, I want to see if you actually what you actually heard me say to see if you actually because I said I'm still groping to articulate this clearly, but I want to see if okay. we can you know close our little Zoom gap where Whoa. like I want to see what you heard and see if that matched what I intended to say before we get to decide okay. whether or not you agree or disagree. So what I heard you say is that you want to feel so deeply loved by the creator and you want to know how that is so that you can help others in the creation experience I think that's a, yeah, that seems like a good summary. Okay. And so you mentioned that that seems a little uh, divergent from your metaphysics. Well, maybe that was a harsh way of putting it, but I'll put it like this. Okay. I was thinking about Ernest, that situation over there. Oh, can I finish the framing that might be easier for us to tease this apart? Is to say, oh, yeah, first of all, what you liked about my statement, what you noticed about my statement that sort of struck you, like what, what struck you positively, what struck you as novel, and then the last part is what you wonder about. So rather than making it as a criticism or a negation, it's like, well, you know, I wonder whether you meant this, or I wonder how that fits with this. And that kind of gives it a more a bit of an open space, whereas otherwise it's easy to get into this sort of reactive mode. Okay. So the likes, okay. notices, and wonders. Well, what I like is first that your ultimate desire is him. I think that's mm. a good. I think that's a, the, the the that that is a wonderful start. Because if you don't start off right, as Dr. Harris used to say, you're not going to end up right. And I don't take it lightly that you didn't say, well, I would like to win the Powerball, even if it was just to so see the world. <laughs> Even if even if your reasons were so that you could feed the world, you know, yeah, or or even something that somebody may seem more noble. Oh, I would like to get all, rid of all the AR-15s so that mm. there's no more mass shootings in the world. Yeah, but children would still mm -hmm. die. So, um, yeah. I, I think we should get rid of the AR-15. But I think that was I think that starting off by having your priorities straight spiritually and physically, I guess, um, that is admirable because, as I just quoted, Paul said, covet the best gift, and behold, I'll show unto you a more excellent way. Mm -hmm. um, what I would say, I don't Do know if I wonder, I, I guess I wonder why, and I think this oh, gets so, back so to down, another so question. So, you still there? I want to hear your notices. Like, what was novel or interesting? Whether it was true or false, positive or negative, what did you notice about what I said that that struck you as 
Well, the same thing. The same thing. Well, the thing that you liked was the thing that you shared. But, like, was there anything in the way I framed it that was novel or noteworthy? Um... I don't. I wouldn't say that. Uh, I wouldn't say I would say that it was noteworthy, but it was noteworthy that you said that you wanted to be able to help the whole world, uh, because mm-hmm. I do think that when you received Dr. Kinley after he had his experience, his only desire was to share it with humanity. Hmm. He even jokingly said, um, he said, he said after he seen everything he saw in his vision, he said, now I, I knew I had done some some things in my life, but I figured I hadn't done anything so terrible that the creator would need to show me all of that. <laughs> <laughs> if you can That's understand where he's coming that, that's what it between so, me and him is I knew I had done something terrible enough that he needed to tell me all that. <laughs> you know, so um, I, I, again, I, I, that would probably fall into another life, but it's very novel. Um, yeah. So that would be the novel. Okay, that was helpful. Um, Thank you. Okay, now, now let's get to your wonders. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a wonder or a dislike. I wonder why you need to know how. I wonder why mm. that's so important to you. I think that's we talked about question. that before. Yeah, and I think that um, this is the this is the right. And so that's that's a good wonder. We'll, we'll list other wonders, and I want to make sure I hear them before I try and respond. Um, why do you want to be able to help other people? Is it to put a? And, I, and I'm not asking you this. Then, uh, you know, um, cynically. Why do yeah. you want to be able to help other people? Is what what is the motivation behind that? Ooh, 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 ooh. I, I had a, okay, yeah, I have an interesting answer, but I want to make sure I hear your questions first. And that, that is that, would be is that, it. Is that, that the big one? Yeah. Yeah, that would be it. And then yeah, so and I think, us, yeah, okay. Go ahead. No, I'll go off for a bit. So if you have anything to say, say it now. So otherwise, you may. No, I was just going to say, and then as far as the 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 dislike, if I don't have a dislike about it, um, because that's your experience, I would just say, why is the how important? Right. Okay. No. So yeah, I think that's the thing you wonder. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a good wonder. Right. Because, uh, and I think that. This is a, and this is great. This is what I want to focus on because you know I'm still trying to articulate this, and you know uh, it's unclear, and so it's good that you're wondering. And it could be that once I clear it up, I will change my phrasing, or that you will actually understand. You say, "Oh, actually, that makes sense." And mm-hmm. so this is the areas that you know are, are really fruitful for dialogue. Uh, is is and so anyway. Thank you for playing the game with me and going through those framings. Um, sure. Let me um, answer, actually, let's put a pin in that, because I want to answer the second question, which I think may help us understand those wonders, which is like, why has God not given me this yet? Right? This is the uh-huh. thing I long for, to have this kind of an experience with God that has this, um, uh, let's call it a ripple effect, right? Uh-huh. That I'm experiencing this in a way that impacts, you know, in concentric circles, 
you know, my, or I guess the opposite of concentric, I guess it works either way, inside or outside. It has these ripples that flow out from me into, you know, my, my marriage, my children, my extended family, my church, my work, right? And, mm-hmm. and the, the thing that I think gets in the way of that may actually be the thing that you touched on in your, in your wonder is that how much do I want this for myself and how much do I want this for God? And the picture I had is, uh, you know, I do these little stories I may have mentioned where I interact with different Greek gods. And I had this right. fascinating chat with uh, Hestia. So everyone's heard of like Apollos, who's the, you know, the god mm-hmm. of the sun. And, right? Right. and then his opposite number is Dionysius, which is a god of mm-hmm. wine and drunkenness and wine. chaos. And like Nietzsche wrote all about the Apollonian versus the Dionysian. But what's mm-hmm. perhaps less known is that Dionysius wasn't originally one of the big 12 in Olympus. Uh, he was kind mm-hmm. of a latecomer. And he took the place of Hestia, the goddess of the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who was interesting is they sort of, she's sort of a maternal figure, but she's not a mother. She's actually a virgin. Uh, wow. so she's sort of I, I used to know all of those Greek gods. Yeah, Artemis anyway. And all of them. And yeah. I, so, I, I, yeah. I've forgotten I, their names now. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been hanging out with them lately, so I've been digging up these names <laughs> and, and encountering them. And and think about mm-hmm. Hestia is that I was having this chat with Hestia in one of my dialogues. And uh, I was asking her what she wants. And I said, like, isn't, it, isn't it what you want most is for your kids to come home, right? Because isn't that what every mother wants? And she goes, mm-hmm. almost but not quite. Because there are many reasons to come home. Um, some of them good, some of them bad. And even though I love to see them, that is not my greatest joy. My greatest joy is that they want to come home, but they can't because they're doing their father's business. And as much as I love my children, I love their father more. And I want his purpose and his glory to be uh, manifest. And I thought that's mm-hmm. a fascinating picture on, on, on motherhood uh, and mm-hmm. divinity. But I think that's the, that's the um, ideal to which I aspire, mm-hmm. where I love God so much that I want him to be enjoyed and for him to enjoy all his children. So that's the desire is, is to have that, uh, um, that, that almost maternal desire for the kids to love the father as much as I do. Uh, okay. Maternal is not the right word, but I can't think of a better one. And okay. the... I'm um, with it thus far. Right. And so to me, the, the, I guess the thing I'm reacting against, if you will, is the... Um, non-scalable mystic, right? Like I, I'm grateful for mystics we've had, people who have these profound encounters of God, right? Uh-huh. And experience what it's like to live on the other side of the veil, or at least visit, uh-huh. right? Okay. But the, right. The, the, the thing is, is that like, and, and I honor them for what they do, right? Because we need those uh-huh. things. And those are extraordinarily difficult and high-priced, costly things that people do uh, to uh-huh. get that far. 
the, the, the precise critique that I have, and this may be the thing you're reacting to, and it's good for us to process, is that when people have these encounters, the natural way that they communicate that is in the cultural forms of the day, which work up to a point, but then tend to get stuck and, in my experience, eventually become toxic. So think about, um, you know, let's, let's pick a, um, oh, let me pick one that's maybe controversial. Like Martin Luther King is one of my heroes, extraordinary human being, did extraordinary work, right? And he invented like this whole genre of nonviolent protest and mm -hmm. civic disobedience, which were extraordinary innovations, right? Mm -hmm. But, and like, and people were rightly, deeply admired him. Like he communicated this deep, profound insight he had about the nature of God and humanity and society, you know, and he lived mm -hmm. it out in a story way and enrolled thousands, if not millions in this journey. The thing that breaks my heart, right, is that like they learned the right lesson the wrong way. And let me give you the like the most uh, heartbreaking story I heard, which is that um, there's this guy, Daryl Davis, one of my heroes, who accidentally has this quote unquote ministry of talking white supremacists out of uh, their bigotry. And he totally did not intend to do this. He grew up overseas in the foreign service. And when he came back, he was just confused that all these white people hated him. And he just started mm -hmm. talking to them out of sheer curiosity. And by getting them to explain what they do, they talk themselves out of being white supremacists. It's the most bizarre thing mm -hmm. uh, I've ever I think seen. I mentioned and, it to me. Yeah, before. yeah but one of the things that, he talk, that this guy, the white supremacists talked about is that when they go to a rally, and there's all these counter protesters who could be peaceful people chanting or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. that inspires them. Whereas if they show up and everyone just ignores them, they get depressed and discouraged and demoralized and want to quit. Mm. And what I have seen is that the very people that Martin Luther King overcame are now drawing energy from his disciples because they've adopted the forms of nonviolent protest and civic disobedience and speaking truth to power. But I, I greatly fear that not always, but way too often, it's having the opposite effect that he intended. That's, you know, it's getting mm -hmm. a bit on a limb there, but you see where I'm coming from? And if that's too close to home, I can go back to the Christian church, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. so like, I feel like oh, no, 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 really no. Wanted, you know, to communicate, uh, whether it's metaphorical or literal, something happened that people started telling these stories, right? And mm -hmm. that there's a deep truth there that is really important to grasp onto. But if we don't think in a mindful, self-aware way about how we propagate those stories, there is um, one, actually, there's two failure modes. One failure mode is it doesn't actually go anywhere at all. Right, you just tell it badly, and people say, "Oh, yeah, that's nice," and they ignore you and move on. I guess the related mm -hmm. failure mode is, and uh, you, you may—I don't know if you have this in your tradition, but our tradition is full of it. 
where people go and hear a sermon and they say, yeah, that's true. I agree with you. Amen. Preach it, brother. And then they go and their life is totally non-transformed. Right? You know, practical atheists. Right. Like they verbally assent in it and they identify with it uh, at a nominal level, but it has no positive benefit in their life. And if anything, they get inoculated against the story because mm-hmm. they have such a weak mm-hmm. form of it that is endemic in their bloodstream. So that's one failure mode is like having no effect whatsoever. But the I other think Paul put mode, it as, as uh, hearing the word but denying the power. Yeah, or James say looking in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. Uh, when turning you leave, away. Embarrassingly, mm-hmm. literally happens to me every day. Like, I'll look in the mirror and then I'll say, wait, did I brush my hair or not? I like totally forget <laughs> what I saw in the mirror. Um, All right, can you do me a favor? Can, 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 I, can I put you on hold for like 40 seconds? I just need to check sure. on something real quick. All, All right, thank you. I will talk to myself for 40 seconds so we don't have dead air for the podcast. Reflect on the value of dead air because it helps us to pause and not get stuck in just the flow of consciousness. Breathe deeply with me as we wait for Elijah to return. And Elijah will come and he will restore all things. And out. In. And out. In. And uh, hello. Okay, thanks so much, Ernie. No. I just had to take a little restroom break. Thank you no so problem. much. No problem. I also I left uh, I let our audience, if anyone was listening to this, into a little series of breathing exercises to hold the space. And <laughs> oh, okay, okay, all right, sounds good. Well, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the uh, and this is good for me to try and articulate again is that if I have a transcendent experience and I just communicate it within the cultural norms of the day, it's easy for it to get co-opted by the, those underlying cultural 
beliefs and assumptions and end up either being ineffective or worse, counterproductive. And that's why I want to have a deep experience of God that I also deeply understand so I don't misrepresent it based on my shallow misunderstandings. Did that make sense? I hear what you're saying. I, I, you I want to try and repeat it back to me to see if you to see if 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 you heard. What uh, I, 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 I don't mind. Um, you're saying that you you have a fear. Well, what I heard is to me that you have a fear, and it's an admirable fear of not only you misrepresenting uh, the experience, but others misrepresenting the experience. Um, but you want to have an understanding of how it's done. The reason you want to know how is so that it's not misrepresented and that it is used to the highest benefit of what I think you're trying to say of of humanity and for the greatest good yeah. of the gospel. Yeah, and I would probably shade a bit more toward miscommunicated or misinterpreted rather than misrepresented, but they're in the same cluster, so that's probably close enough. Okay. All right. I, you know, I can honestly, honestly, honestly understand what you're saying, because I think we had this conversation about the width of app. And mm -hmm. I have seen, this is so funny that we're even talking about this, because there was somebody, I decided just to go on the Wisdom app not too long ago, just to see if there was any new talks on there, and you know, to see if the same people that were there when we, you and I first started, we yeah. were kind of part of that original group. We're still there to see who's still doing it and maybe who's moved on to Clubhouse or if folks are still even interested, how the app itself is doing. Yeah. And I seen this woman, I won't mention her name, and she's using the same symbol as the school that I grew up in. So I know she's come cool. in contact with Dr. Tinley's school. But she's talking so out of the box, she didn't get any visitors, and there's no wonder to me why, because she's talking so, she just sounds, she's, it's just a lot of jargon, and she's just, um, she's eating while she's talking, and then she, you know, kind of what I told you about, <laughs> about, put, you know, and yeah, she's just watching tell, yeah. her food, what, and it just sounds so bizarre that, you know, I'm like, this, you know, this is not how you present the teaching to people. And I know with the, with the, with the symbolist that she's using, that is straight up IDMR. That's where, where that's our symbol. Um, but mm -hmm. it's just kind of paint, painted a different color. And so I immediately said, and, and, and maybe there was some arrogance and vanity in it. I said, <laughs> oh gosh, I hope I don't sound like this. And I, you know, I am hope I'm not, because Dr. Kinley beautifully presented this teaching. And he, he even went so far as to say, especially because he was dealing with people of color, and he knew what the world thought of people of color at that time, and it hasn't really changed yeah. now. He yeah. said, I want the men to be dressed like businessmen, and I want the women to look like secretaries. Not so that he could put on some Vogue fashion show, but he said mm -hmm. that if, if you're down here looking, you know, shabby, that's going to be a distraction to people. Because he said they're not reading the Bible when they first come, brethren. They're reading you. So 
he was very much not caught up on that. And Dr. Kinley, from what everybody tells me, my mom and all them and, and my and my aunts and my uh, my aunts and uncles, they all say Dr. Kinley was a sharp dresser, but he he didn't really he he didn't have a lot, and he wouldn't allow the people to give him a lot. He he worked up until he um, became a full time minister, but we didn't have a paid ministry. Dr. Harris worked as a medical doctor up until right. he became a full time member of the ministry, and they the school bought a building down there in Los Angeles. But we've always just kind of operated. As middle class people, you know, not not mm-hmm. the the Creflo dollars and the TDJs and all that. But when I saw this woman, you know, just to me, I, I I said, oh gosh, this looks so bad. And you're talking about more of a deception or a misuse of of, of things and the perverting, I think, of the gospel. But in yeah, a way, she was doing that too, because right. go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the um, uh, so I I I I think I feel what you're saying, and it's, I think it's adjacent to the point I'm trying to make, in that it, it I, I, there's a another way of framing it. Let me see if this uh, makes sense to you. We have the saying, um, I saw someone actually quoted on Twitter, but it kind of was the philosophy we had when I was at Apple, which is there is no such thing as user error, only bad design. And the idea, if someone goes to church and the person at the church speaks truth and the person who comes out doesn't hear that truth or doesn't live out that truth, the traditional way of looking at it is, well, it's that person's fault for not uh, applying it properly. But this design-centric perspective is to say, well, no, that's because we didn't design that experience well enough. And if we had totally, if we correctly designed the experience, that either they would have gone through the experience and had the desired result, or they would have ejected from the experience because they were rejecting it up front, right? You wouldn't get silent errors, right? If you have a well-designed, like um, I don't know what twelve thousand dollar app your your business sells, but it, like you know, say if you have a uh, a training class for people to be um, cybersecurity professionals, for example. And what that means mm-hmm. is that you, if you have a good training program, then either the person is not serious about it and they'll flunk out of the course, or if they make it all the way through to the end, then you know that they're actually competent to do the thing they're trained to do, right? And if they're not, then mm-hmm. that's a flaw in the design of the course, that you're not finding the bad actors. or those. And, and so that's kind of the uh, design-centric way I'm looking at this. I want to be able to... Uh, sort of mindfully design and, you know, there's in the very broad sense, not necessarily like sketching it out, but I want to be able to take the thing that God has put in me and is putting in me and design experiences that I will, that will maybe not perfectly, but at least more consistently reproduce that experience. But see, that's, I think that's the thing that I never spoke about, you know, we talk about the eating of the bread, and Neville Goddard mentioned this. And I'm also thinking about over there in Acts, where Paul said, "I planted Apollo's water." I mean, mm-hmm. I, uh, Apollo's, you know, but but it's God that gives the increase, mm-hmm. the glory, and the honor. If we're talking about a Creator who's reproducing Himself, mm-hmm. He's the Eternal Father, and He's the one that's getting the glory for reproducing yeah. Himself in all of us. 
One of the and things yet, that's so beautiful he still needs a mother to do the work, right? Well, he's father and mother. He's father, mother, God to me. He's he, he, he's father, mother, God. He's not just father, but he's mother. Um, it so says Jerusalem, is, which is go ahead. Sure, sure. So leave you know, himself as both. I'll grant you that. But as a practical matter, right? The but it's not God even a practical matter. No, 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 uh, uh, let me let, let me be let me be explicitly blunt and perhaps even earthy if you don't if you'll allow me to go there, right? The seed of the father is planted in a human community. You know, the divine metaphysic, the the pastors, the teachers, the ministers, the symbology, right? There is this earthly vessel into which that divine seed is planted. And my point is that the, um, the, the, the ground truth, the earthy truth, is that the, the genetics and culture and circumstances of that earthly womb into which that seed is planted drastically impacts what comes out of it. Sure. And there's different roles that, that every spiritual son, you have some that are apostles who may play a larger role, who might play the role of the initiate. Let me, let me give you a, a more graphic example, and let me see if you resonate with this. So um, uh, David Koresh, one of these people who have, uh, you know, a cult that they create after them. Mm-hmm. I have a mm-hmm. generous perspective that there is only one ultimate reality. And people encounter, and every truth, every insight, every epiphany is a greater or lesser um, reflection of that one reality. And so when I see a man like that, who is charismatic, who inspires loyalty, who calls people to be you know, more sold out and devoted to a higher purpose, I have some respect for that because I feel like they are in some way tapping into that. On the other hand, I would say that the, the womb into which they plant that insight was deeply corrupted by ego and pride and selfishness. And therefore, the fruit that it produced was mostly rotten. Even if the seed, there was a germ of a good seed there somewhere along the way. That's kind of how I look at those sort of toxic religions. Would you disagree with that? I I would disagree with the idea that a seed be starts off good and becomes bad. I think it you know it, it goes back to what Gamaliel said. If if this be of God, then you can't do anything with it. If, if it's not of God, it's going to fail. But if it be of God, okay. then there's nothing you can do to. So when you say that they were corrupted, they were never right in my okay, eyes. Okay, so, so let me make sure I heard you, because I think this is an important distinction, and maybe we'll end on this if we can at least clarify the distinction. It seems like what I heard you say is there's like a good seed, and if you're a seed of a good seed, it will inevitably produce good fruit. And right. if it's a bad seed, it will inevitably produce bad fruit. And you can go through all the different mystics and spiritual traditions, and you can make a distinction at least in principle, that this one was based on a good seed and that one's based on a bad seed 
and it's a nice simple binary zero or one true or false. Is that what you meant to say or did I, am I caricaturing it? I'll give you a prime example if I could with Dr. Kinley. Okay. Now some would look at Dr. Kinley the same way that you, that they've looked at other people that have had people following them and all that. Dr. Mm -hmm. Kinley never wanted anything. Dr. Kinley never took advantage of anybody sexually. Dr. Kinley never, uh, he was the, the, the epitome of a moral man even before he had his vision and revelation. Okay. But he came unto a group of people and some took what he said and took it to heart and the creator allowed something to grow there because of, of, of not of Dr. Kinley, but because according to his purpose, Dr. Kinley was the vessel that was used, but ultimately it was Yahweh Elohim who decided who was going to receive in righteousness and who was going to receive in unrighteousness. Dr. Kinley's job was just to be a minister to the, to, to the left and the right. Something that we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, the wheat and the tear. Do you want me to, to separate the wheat from the tear? No, you don't do it. You just preach the gospel to everybody. And the Lord will do the separating. Your job is not to do the separating. It's his job to do the separating. So I, I guess that's where I'm, 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 a, I'm a little, you know, you don't have the determination when you say, I want to be a benefit. All you can do is share. So, okay, so let me no make sure I heard what you said. Go ahead. If I, if I heard something you said. So you're, what I heard you say is that Dr. Kinley received a word and he passed on this good seed. So he was given a seed. The seed is inherently good. God mm -hmm. chose to give it to Dr. Kinley. Dr. Kinley passed it on. And when he passed on that seed, some people who received it were good soil and received it and bore fruit, and some people who received it were bad soil. If you want that to use that say? nomenclature, yeah, if you want to use that nomenclature of, of, of good soil and bad soil, some, according to the purpose, received it unto salvation, and some, according to the purpose, received it unto damnation. Some were benefited by Dr. Kinley's vision and revelation, and some were not benefited right, by okay. his vision yeah. and revelation. Yeah, no, let me just say this. Yeah. Let me just say this in closing. Mm -hmm. Some some desired to be new creatures after coming in contact with Dr. Kinley, and some desired to stay the same. Mm -hmm. And that and that's what I will say. Yeah, so 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 I, I don't disagree with any of that. But I'm trying to make a different level of observation. I would actually say that Dr. Kinley sounds like he was what I would consider good soil. He was a man of self-control, a man of humility, even before he had this revelation. And therefore, mm -hmm. he was more fruitful than some other people I could name who were philanderers and uh, oh, let, let me oh, let me let me uh, pick one close to my tradition. Um, um, uh, Jim Baker. 
Jim Baker was a man who I believe had a sincere faith in God. He had an anointing and a ministry uh, to speak truth. And he tragically, and I think he would say this himself, he was successful beyond what his character could sustain. And ended up destroying his ministry, his marriage, his career, his reputation, you know, stating the name of Jesus for generations. Um, and to his credit, I think he humbled himself and really tried to go back to following God afterwards. And I think that, you know, your friend did a better job of being a vessel for the, the size of the gift God gave him than uh, uh, Reverend Baker did. And it's not to criticize or condemn them, right? God works through all these things. God is sovereign in all these things. But I think the question that I think is worth asking, which it sounds like I'm not sure if you disagree with the answer or disagree with the question, is are there practices that I can do that would help me and perhaps others to become better soil? You know, I, I, I don't disagree. We should, I think, we should all have the desire to, you know, there's there's all there's so many gospel songs that come to mind that talks about being used, and mm-hmm. you know, one of my favorite scriptures is just let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, I would say this, and 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 this is just where I rest on it is that. Once that seed is there, you are a new creature, and it's impossible to be corrupted by anything. Uh, yes, you may learn and grow in knowledge and understanding, and you, you know you may be a babe in certain ways, and certain eras might might take place that the Creator, as a fa- heavenly Father and Mother, might take for, make provision for. But I go back to that scripture that we always talk about. He that has begun a good work in you. Now, if you know just naturally that 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 um the mirror that you're looking at to see the Creator could could use a little dusting off, then take some some Windex and dust it off. But ultimately, the image is His responsibility. Um, if, if you know that, hey. Uh, I, I know that after I drink three glasses of wine, I get a little tipsy. So I'm not going to drink three glasses of wine. I'm just going to have two glasses, and I'm going to call it a night. Then that, that to me, is the wisdom that you should use in certain things. If you know that, hey, I know I'm prone to, to, to losing my temper with my children, um, when they do certain things. So before I even respond to them, I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to meditate and mm-hmm. do a little thinking. And then before I, you know, that that that's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. But even in that, you're being led as a child. You're never yeah, I, alone, I left to your own devices to try to figure out what can I do to be a better because it's it's it's, it's the seed growing. What you know, it's like look, mom, no hand. So right, that, let, that's let, just let, my let, take let, on let it. So I feel like we are. So I'm not sure. So it sounds like we're agreeing, 
right? At least to me, like, like yes, God, at like, one level, God's doing everything. God's word is always perfect. God's the author and finisher of our faith. Like, don't disagree with that at all. But on the other hand, right. clearly there is such a thing as wisdom and foolishness, you know, drinking mm-hmm. a bunch of alcohol and then going for a drive, you know, is foolish. And, right. you know, you know, uh, being a religious leader and surrounding yourself by yes men and letting yourself mm-hmm. be seduced by the power and the prestige is foolish. Right. And, you know, having humility, like, so there is wisdom and foolishness. And there are, like you said, practices we can adopt that will help us be more wise, more fruitful, and less foolish and less self-destructive, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that, and maybe that's a good place to end is, um, and maybe and I think what you're highlighting is that it is difficult to hold those two truths in tension, right? Some people get so obsessed over the wisdom that they become very uh, um, human-centric and works-oriented. It's all about me. Try to become so good that they become good for nothing. Yeah, Yeah, right. And there's other people who are um, the, you know, we don't get too much of those these days in reality, but they're like, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go there. Uh, white Southern Christians uh, during, uh, you know, the pre-civil rights era who thought like, hey, I know Jesus, I'm good, I can still whip my slaves and burn crosses and kill black people because that's totally irrelevant to my identity in Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, I can understand where they're coming from. I think that's foolish, <laughs> right? They got so right. caught up in their sort of vertical identity that they were oblivious well it was a relationship of convenience it was a relationship of convenience and like and and, but like you know i think that like the southern baptists are some of the most you know in my tradition at least are considered some of the people who are the most serious about really trying to have the right theology and really Mm -hmm. trying to you know receive and pass on the good word and historically we're just horrific at living it out you know and so this is the interesting question to me and you know we're, i gotta stop now anyway but i would love to continue with you in a couple of weeks whenever you catch your breath again is mm-hmm. how do we you know if we can agree that like these two buckets exist of our you know god's pure word and our secure identity and this thing about you know living wisely and foolishly in terms of how we actually practice it um if we can maybe explore the relation between those two and is there a way we can articulate something that we would both agree with uh, for how those two mesh together. Because that's precisely sure. the thing I want to figure out, that I feel like I have a, and so this has been really helpful even just articulating that question. All right? Oh, sure, Ernest. Absolutely. You know, I'm always down to talk about our Heavenly Father, so just do like you did this time. I, I, I had to crack up at your text message. Is, is, this, summer, is this summer yet, or shall I, should I wait until the 22nd? <laughs> I started yeah. to tell you to text me on the to text me on the 23rd, and then I'd be able to help you out. But uh, at, at, on the 23rd at 12 a.m. <laughs> but, but, no, uh, no I, you know, uh, I, I don't mind, you know, talking about the Creator uh, with anyone. You know, um, I don't profess to be omniscient, but that which I do know, I 
I stand in, um, you know, um, I try not to offend, but I know offenses may come sometimes. But, um, you know, if you, whenever you want to talk, if I have the time to sit down and talk, I'm always happy to do it, Ernest. I told you from the beginning on wisdom, I really enjoy talking to you. Um, sometimes we don't always see eye to eye, but I think, you know, we're, we've been able to get past that and, you know, go to our corners and let cooler heads prevail. So, you know, I'm always happy to come together and sit down and talk with you. All right. Can I close with some prayer? Sure. Absolutely. Go ahead. All right. God, I just thank you for my brother, Elijah. Lord, my brother from another mother who grew up in a very different tradition, very different culture, a very different metaphysics in some level. And yet I just really love his heart. And I'm grateful for all the teachers who spoke uh, hope and encouragement and life and truth into him. And I thank you that we've been able, I thank you for his willingness to sort of play ball with me and going through all my questions and practices and different framings. And it's been so helpful for me uh, to, I think, understand him and understand myself and understand where there's so much overlap and commonality and where there's still some tension of things that, you know, strike us as a bit off or uncomfortable with how the other person expresses things. And I feel like we made a lot of progress, uh, at least me in understanding this, and also where, you know, uh, not so much where we're like one of us is right and the other is wrong, but where there's things that we don't understand well or can't articulate and don't have a clear grasp on. And that, you know, at least for me, I feel like this is where there's so much power and potential to, to help other people experience you and see you more deeply as we work through these things. So just thank you for this time, this relationship, Thank you for uh, the summer that's ahead of us and pray that we'd be able to connect well and bring joy to ourselves and others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. God well, bless I you, my thank brother. Thank you, Ernest. And you take care of yourself. And like I said, you know how to reach me. Just reach out and text. And uh, like you said, it's always good to talk. And I'll say this to you. You know, if my goal is to have a YouTube channel and a podcast, I'm going to have to entertain questions that you know, maybe sometimes to me seem like, well, where, what is that question about? Or, so it's good to talk to someone sometimes who maybe yeah. forces you to ask questions that maybe you would have never even thought to ask because maybe it doesn't come to you that way. So, mm -hmm. you know, I appreciate you, brother. All right. God bless you. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.